Hello, everyone, and welcome to season two, episode one of What the Fuck's Up podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Kelly. Um, I am so sorry that I've been gone for so long, but I'm so fucking excited to be back. I have so many great guests that I have either recorded with or scheduled with for this season. So um, just know it's only going to get better from here. And hopefully, fingers crossed, I'll never have to take that long of a break again. Um, I get into it a little bit in this episode with Alice, but it's overall a pretty light, fun episode. Um, She's an astrologer, so we talk about astrology. Um, I do mention, though, that part of the reason I was gone for so long is I was dealing with some fun depression stuff, which, um, you know, after living in L.A. for a few years, kind of forgot about the whole seasonal depression thing. But uh, right now, we'll talk about that in other episodes, I'm sure. In this episode, I just want to focus on the really good headspace I am in currently and how excited I am for this season. Um, If you're new to What the Fuck's Up podcast, it is a podcast about 20-somethings for 20-somethings and beyond. And basically, it's about how we are in this weird time of life where we don't really know what the fuck's going on always, whether that's in, you know, work, dating, relationships, friendships, mental health, all the things. So... I try to have a really big range of guests on and kind of tackle these different issues and topics um, more specifically based on who I'm having on. Uh, All right, so I don't want to take up too much time because we have a great episode in store, but this season I really, and hopefully you guys can kind of hear it in this episode, but I really want to engage you guys, the listeners, more because Without you, there is no show. Um, So please feel free to DM me, to email me. Um, My email and DM are both either CKNY1213 or WTFSUPPOD. Honestly, just DM me. It's easier. But DM me. uh, Let me know how you're feeling about the show, about this episode. If you have any suggestions for people who you want to hear or have on, any topics you really want me to get into, um, I'm all ears for any and everything you want to say. Any new game suggestions would be great. I'm still going strong with my 70 questions, but I definitely have some new ones in store as well. So... Um, finally, as always, please rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend about this episode if you like it or any other episode or just the podcast in general. Um, and here's today's episode. I'm so happy to be back and thank you all for tuning in. All right, let's go. Hi, everyone, and welcome to What the Fuck's Up podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Kelly, and today I'm so excited. I have an astrologer on named Alice Bell. I was telling her right before we started, I've been looking to have an astrologer on the podcast, talk about astrology, because I got into it when I moved back to New York, and it's just so interesting to me. So for a little background on you, Alice, before you give, you know, your own introduction, (laughs) um, Alice is a professional astrologer as well as the resident astrologer for British Vogue. 
Her writing has been featured in publications including Goop, Refinery29, and Forbes, to name a few. She is also the co-host of the Astrology and You podcast, where you can find out more about all the in-depth, crazy things about the astrology world. So welcome, Alice. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you for having me. I love the intro. I know. I always try to get like... (laughs) It's kind of kitschy to do the intro, but I think it's good because sometimes like there was a phase where I got really comfortable with the podcast where I would just like start talking to the person and then people would be like, who is it? I'm like, okay, oh my God. the intros, like <laughs> yeah. be a little type A in the beginning. But um, yeah. but yeah, do you just want to tell the listeners for yourself, like how you got into astrology, a little bit about you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I guess to give background on like where I live, what my age is, mm-hmm. I'm live in New York. I'm 28 years old. And a few years ago, I got into astrology. I was working in fashion. Um, I was a fashion assistant at Vogue magazine in New York. And that had been like my dream career that I've been working towards my whole life. And when I got it, I was like amazed that I got that so early on. But once I was there, it just like wasn't so fulfilling. And I was like, I don't think I can do this for the rest of my life. I don't want to work in fashion. Um, and so I started teaching myself astrology on the side, not really knowing that that could be like a career. I'd never been into astrology before. Like I didn't know that astrologers existed as a job. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just became like obsessed with it. Once I realized there was a lot more to astrology than just like your horoscope and your sun sign like for me, astrology has been like way more effective than therapy ever has. Mm. It's just described like basically my whole personality, all my like patterns. Um, and yeah, from there I built my business on the side while I was still at that job. And when it was financially stable, I quit and I've been a full-time astrologer for two and a half years now. That's so cool. I love having people on the podcast. Like, obviously, I said I want an astrologer on, but I also love mm-hmm. that your story is one that's not like totally straightforward because I mean, that's why I started the podcast. I was kind of just randomly thrown into it at a time where I was like, I want to act, but I don't know if I want to act right now. I feel like I need to pivot. So I always find having guests on who have a similar like redirection in their story to be so interesting because I think it's something that our generation is really coming to terms with. We're not just going to be like our parents' generation do the same Mm -hmm. job for, you know, X number of years. So that's so cool. I love that story. Um, So... I was listening to your podcast, which, as I said, guys, it's really great and really helps you understand stuff. I was like trying to do my chart alongside you guys. (laughs) You're going to have to help me out a little bit there. You guys did a great job, but I don't know if Mm -hmm. anyone knows what an astrology chart looks like. But if you don't look it up, it's I mean, it can be complicated. Yeah, you definitely had to study this. You didn't just totally jump in. Yeah, yeah. But something you guys said that I think is such a great way to start this off for anyone who's listening and they're like, I don't really get astrology or get why it's important or helpful. You guys Mm -hmm. gave five ways that astrology can help a person or be useful. And I thought they were so good because this is actually why like when I had the switch from being like astrology is kitschy to astrology is fun. Like this is exactly how I felt. So to give the five quickly, you guys said the first reason is self-esteem and validation. So if you're different from someone, why you should accept it, why you jive more with some people than others, 
which leads mm-hmm. into relationship dynamics, kind of the same thing. Like if you're going to more naturally connect to some people rather than others, and it helps you take things less personally. The third, I love how I'm just copying you guys, but it's so good. <laughs> no, I had forgotten what I had said in this episode because it was like recorded a few months ago. So it's good you're going back over. Yeah, I was like, I don't want to like test you and make you be yeah, like, yeah. wait, what was three? Um, third, yeah. perspective and patience. So if you feel like something's not happening at the right time, which again is such mm-hmm. a theme in this podcast. It's really hard to have patience, but sometimes like you don't have control over when you're going to get the job, when you're going to get the guy, whatever. So Mm -hmm. that being important, which leads into timing, knowing when it might be a good time to do something or when you should like let up a bit. And Mm -hmm. the last one was empowerment. So I love that. But um, but yeah, what for you was the switch? What was the reason that you felt compelled to like get more into it once you started? Uh, so I first started studying astrology like a little more intensely because of like dating problems mm. and wanting to know if a guy was going to text me back. <laughs> and um, I love it. Every girl ever. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it started as like obsessively checking my horoscope. Like, am I going to have romance this week? And then I don't know how I got on it, but like actually pulling up my own birth chart. Um, I can't really remember like the correlation between those two, um, but dating and relationships has always been something that's been like super difficult for me like works pretty much come easily but like not like being single for a large part of my life Mm. and just not being casual when it comes to dating relationships and having so much trouble with that having that explained through my birth chart was like so helpful and that's I kind of feel like that's what really resonated with me the most and got me into it initially. Yeah, I so get that too, because it's very different than having like, I mean, therapy is great, guys, don't get me wrong, but it's very different than having like a therapist just be like, you're totally normal. Don't worry about it. It'll happen. It's like Mm -hmm. something where you start to see like, oh, maybe you have these qualities that you can work on or maybe this isn't like the exact time it's going to happen because according to the stars, it could happen later. And with the relationship stuff, sometimes when I've just met someone, if I feel like we're like connecting right away or like there's like a little weirdness, if I find out their sign, like it makes it make more sense a lot of the time, you know? So it also just helps you understand perspective and where people are coming from. So that's less like, oh, is it something I did? You know, because we all think we're the main character. So yeah, it helps with that. So what is your dating life right now? I'm interested to hear. I'm in a relationship. Oh my and I God. Predicted, yeah, I predicted myself getting into a relationship. No fucking way. Yeah. You like read your own birth chart and you're like, it's happening now? Yeah, I knew. Uh, so it happened. I met him five months ago. Um, oh and I knew. So I've been single for five years since I was like 22. And I was starting to be, be like, I'm never going to meet someone ever. It's been so long. And I knew with astrology 2021 for me, it was going to be like a big relationship year, but like, I wasn't on dating apps. I wasn't reaching out. I wasn't like going out. It was deep COVID back in January, February. And one of my Instagram followers reached out beginning of February and was like, I, this is so random, but I have a guy friend. I think you would really get along with. Um, Oh my God. You have to love the DM slide, not even from the guy, but like a DM setup. Wow. Yeah. And so I was like, what's his birth time? I need to look at his chart. I looked at his chart 
I liked what I saw and I agreed to the date. Oh my gosh. You're like, I don't need his picture. I actually need just his time and place of birth, you know? Yeah. Cause I looked at his like profile on Instagram and like, he wasn't someone I would normally be drawn to immediately. Mm -hmm. But then I saw the chart and I was like, I think we would have a lot to talk about. So I'm glad it was there. So interesting. I was at dinner the other night with some friends and one of the girls and I were talking about how like we feel like we're kind of serial daters who have been in like this long rut, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, growing up, I always was in these like longish term, if not long term relationships. And they weren't that serious until like college, especially like my most recent one. But same thing that ended for me around like 22 or three. I don't know. No, Mm -hmm. 23 or four, whatever. I'm like, how old am I? And it's basically (laughs) been like a rut since. And it's so interesting that you say that, that like, it's just sometimes like in the timing and in the stars. And I've also found myself getting really picky about certain things where Mm -hmm. it would be so helpful to just like look at someone's chart and be like, oh, you should put them aside because if you actually go on a date with them or a second date with them, maybe it'll work out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because the chart can kind of show the dynamics at play. Like I saw he had a Scorpio moon and I was like, okay, he has like emotional depth. Um, (laughs) He'll be be, like interesting to talk to. Yeah, that's so funny. I'm a Scorpio moon too. Oh my God, yeah, yeah. I was looking at your chart before. Oh my God, I'm scared to see what it says. I feel like it's like... (laughs) who even knows I'd be really interested to see what it said about the past year because it was like kind of a shit show but then again we were in a global pandemic I was looking at your chart I was gonna say there's a lot of stress coming from work and health right now oh right now interesting yeah like career is kind of where all the focus is right now so having been like kind of stressed out with work but feeling like you need to make a change with what you're doing or like just taking it way more seriously and taking on a lot oh my god So it's really funny you say that. So I took like a really long hiatus from the podcast. I was trying Mm -hmm. to figure out where to um, place this episode. So you know what? I just decided it's going to be the first one because here I am explaining myself. I'm like, why not? But I took a really long break from the podcast, which I didn't intend on doing. But just mm-hmm. had like a lot of depression type stuff. And mm-hmm. I've always had anxiety, but it's always been anxiety that like helps me perform. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it was like the first time in my life where the depression was so bad. It just inhibited me from starting it, anything. Mm-hmm. Like the idea of restarting the podcast felt so stressful that... And then I would get stressed about not doing it. It was so crazy, but I'm actually glad I waited because now I feel like in a really good headspace to do it. So it might be more like excited stress now because I definitely like feel the pressure to like perform and get back going. But I've done like a few interviews now and, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. excited to be back. But that is funny. I feel like the fall will be bigger for you just once Virgo season, your Virgo rising. So I feel like there's going to be a lot going on in Virgo obviously end of August into September. So I feel like that's probably when you might get going again. Oh my God. Um, And then you also have so much Sagittarius in your chart. Like you have Sun, Mars, Venus, Mercury. So there's going to be a Sagittarius solar eclipse on December 3rd. So I feel like that will really set you off in a new direction or have like maybe a change with like where you're living. It's in your house of home. Oh my God. Um, This is so crazy. Well, first of all, that's around my birthday, but that's also like around when my lease is up. I'm like, am I? Yeah, I think you're moving. (laughs) 
(laughs) (laughs) Well, guys, you heard it here first. If I move and, you know, blow up in the fall, it was all Alice book reading. Um, That's so funny. It's so interesting that you can like see all that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's back up a little bit. Although I could do this forever. I'm like, keep telling me about me. (laughs) But for the listeners, maybe we just do, you know, for people who don't know as much about astrology, like some of the basics, because we're talking about, you know, sun sign, rising sign, moon sign, or then like (laughs) the houses. I know I got so many listener questions Mm -hmm. about like, what are the houses? So do you yeah. want to just like break that down a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So for people that really don't know that much, when you're talking about like your sign, like when someone's like, what's your sign? They're referring to your sun. So that's your sun sign. Like you are a Sagittarius. Mm-hmm. Um, and then how the rising, the rising corresponds basically with the house system too. So when you input your exact birth time, date, year, city into an astrology chart calculator you can literally just google like astrology chart generator and so you enter in your info there it comes up with a circle chart and the first house of the chart on the left hand side it's about like the nine nine o'clock position on a chart or on a clock um that is where the rising sign is and the rising sign is like the sign that was on the horizon at the moment you were born so it's key to have your exact birth time and date to know the rising got it um because it changes like every hour oh interesting so it's actually for a while then yeah so if you were born okay so you're born at 11 46 p.m if you yeah. had been born at like what would that be like an hour later like 12 46 a.m oh. you would be a libra rising instead of a virgo rising wow yeah it's interesting so well i'll tell you what i understand about it and you can be like girl no mm-hmm. <laughs> you know you can be like <laughs> leave it to the expert but from what i understand about the signs your sun sign is like your main sign you know it's the one everyone mm-hmm. knows it's kind of the mm-hmm. one you relate to through and through the most it seems like it's some people like don't resonate with their sun sign because it's your identity and it's your identity is always evolving throughout your whole life so you're kind of working to grow into the traits of the sun sign whereas the rising and the moon are just what you have naturally like so you may identify more with the moon and the rising sometimes because it's moon is childhood conditions that involve like the home growing up your relationship with your mom and also just like your yeah so you have a scorpio moon maybe mom was like a little intense or just like over involved mom Um, i didn't say it but um... (laughs) (laughs) yeah but it's kind of just your basic emotional reactions to things and who you are like in your inner world that you revert back to kind of when you're in new situations or emotionally upset um yeah and the rising is just what you immediately put forth into the world like this is who i am this is how other people see me um whereas the sun is kind of more what you're working towards that is so interesting. I've heard the other two, you know, how you come off for your rising and the moon mm-hmm. being like your more deep personal self. But I love two of the things you said, one being um, like the way you're describing the moon. Obviously, it's like how people see you who are much closer to you because it's like for deeper, you know, maybe mm-hmm. more upsetting situations. But the way you're describing it also kind of sounds like trauma, which was interesting. Mm-hmm. Like maybe yeah. it's like you're gut reaction that sometimes you have to like work against a little bit or like break down yeah it's like deep pattern that sometimes don't like it's like what you picked up as a child so sometimes when you're an adult like that stuff just doesn't work for you anymore so 
if you are repressing, like, let's say you have a Gemini moon, like you love, that's kind of a love for communication and feeling emotional fulfilled when you're connecting with people. But if there was something in childhood where you were told to be like quiet or not voice your opinions or stop asking questions, then maybe as an adult, you aren't really fully coming into that moon. And that's what you need to work on. Is that your moon? No, no, I'm a Pisces moon. So mine's like very emotional. I love it. Well, so are Scorpios in a way. I feel like they get a rap as being like crazy, but it also like has a lot to do with like emotionality and like Mm -hmm. reactiveness, which is something I definitely like have been working on. So Mm -hmm. well, we'll get into this later because I actually (laughs) want to get into the Scorpio stuff because we had a listener question about it. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, the other thing I was going to say is about the rising It's so interesting that you're saying like people relate a lot to the rising in particular. In the way I'm coming off right now, it's probably more like Virgo-y because it's work. Mm -hmm. I feel like I present very Sagittarius. And Mm -hmm. maybe that's just because the Virgo thing's more like type A and like when I'm being social or out, I'm more like- You do have a lot in Sagittarius. So maybe you present more Sagittarius than someone that just had their son, whereas you have like four planets. Yeah. But- The rising is the lens through which you kind of approach all areas of your life. So maybe it's like Virgo being organized, critical, always wanting to improve. You kind of approach life that way. Yeah. So Virgo is my anxiety. We got it. Yeah. She's she's (laughs) the main character in my life for sure. Exactly. Um, Okay. So that was amazing. We also had so many questions about the houses. Um, Mm -hmm. So you were saying that like the rising and moon are houses. Moon's not a house. Oh, moon's not a house. Okay. So there's 12 houses. Guys, don't listen to me. Yeah. (laughs) Moon, the moon is located in a house, but the rising marks the first house. So you're a Virgo rising. Your second house would be Libra. The third house would be Scorpio, fourth Sagittarius, so on. So the house system is kind of realized based on what your rising sign is but each house one through 12 corresponds to a particular area of life so there's certain houses that are career focused there's certain ones that are friendship and relationship focused there's mm-hmm. others that are more about emotions um transformation kind of more difficult stuff going on in life amazing that's so interesting so for people who are like you know going to get a ring with you eventually but before then they're going to try to do it themselves and mm-hmm. We wish you the best. What are like the homes that, houses, (laughs) the houses that you think people would be most interested in knowing about themselves? Like what are the ones people are kind of like looking out for that maybe if you have a shorter reading, you're like Mm -hmm. highlighting more? I feel like it depends on the person. So everyone's Mm going to have planets in certain houses. Like you have all these Sagittarius planets are in your fourth house. So like I would- Fourth house is home, family, the past, emotions, kind of nostalgia. Guys, I have so much trauma. <laughs> <laughs> so the home is like really a big part of your life. So if I see a ton of planets focused around one house of the chart or a few houses in the chart, I'll focus on that for the person. And it's no big deal if you have empty houses. No one's going to have all the planets and all the houses. There's always going to be a few that have the majority of the planets in them or more than one in them. Yeah, so that's another question I had. So for people listening, if you're like looking at your chart or looking at a chart in the future, the houses are broken up into like... Pies, like pie-shaped house. Pies. I I did math once. Um, Pie slice. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> pie slices, exactly. And some of them you can just see there are no, there's nothing in it. There are no signs, planets. There's signs, signs are in every house. So around oh, the border, the chart, you're gonna see a sign around the border of every house. So uh -huh. everyone has every single sign in them. So it's funny when people are like, I hate Gemini's. I'm like, you literally have Gemini in your chart. Wait, that's so funny. So we all have every sign in our chart. Yeah, it influences, even though you don't have planets in that sign, you still have that sign on a house of your chart. Got it. So we have the signs in the house, but we don't have the planets. So if you don't have planets, any planets in a slice of the pie. Oh in a God. sign or a house. Yeah. Yes. So that's an empty house. Yeah, exactly. So like in your chart, your ninth house is empty. Is that love? <laughs> no, ninth house is like education, travel, that stuff. But Taurus is on your ninth house. So that doesn't mean you don't have travel or education in your life. It just means Taurus is the sign associated with that. So you approach mm -hmm. that area of your life, maybe in a Taurian type of way. Like to take it back a little, mm -hmm. the most common question I get is like, I have an empty seventh house. That's the house pertaining to relationships. Mm -hmm. Does that mean I'm never going to be in a relationship? And that's not the case because you still have a sign on that house. And as the planets move in their current positions in the sky in 2021 or whatever year it is, they yeah. will activate certain areas of your chart, triggering relationship stuff, even if you don't have planets in that part of your chart. So basically the planets being in the chart means it's like a more emphasized area, but if they're yeah. not there, if it's an empty house, so to speak, that doesn't mean that it won't come along. Or exactly. Come yeah. Okay. The houses that are occupied in your chart are just areas of life where the individual has repeated lessons to learn. So it's more concentrated on certain areas of your life than others. That is so interesting. And I'm definitely going to ask you more about <laughs> at the end, like yeah. this whole mm -hmm. mind having to do with home and stuff. Well, I'll say one more thing about it and then we'll get back mm -hmm. to you and breaking stuff down. But I do feel like sometimes I have this like, I don't know if it's like part of my anxiety or what, but I have this feeling of like needing to like move or shift locations or like, yeah feeling like home is always like somewhere out of reach. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's so interesting that you said that because it really resonated. Okay, so this is actually a good segue. Mm -hmm. Something that I was interested in, and I feel like a lot of like the flack that the astrology world will get has to do with like, if you think of things like I studied psychology in school, one of the things, you know, maybe a psychologist would say, oh, you're having a confirmation bias, which for people who don't know, it's like, oh, you just said that there are a lot of planets in this house that has to do with home. So you're kind of looking for reasons that that's true. Um, how would you explain or go against the idea that a lot of astrology is us looking for confirmation biases or saying like, oh, that makes sense because of this and trying to like overly apply it to our lives? Yeah, that's a tough question. I feel like that could yeah. be true. But like what I've given you is kind of more general. Like I feel mm. like astrology gets so complex in that yeah. I could see how the relationship is with your mom, how it is with your dad. And I feel like that kind of stuff, like, and also like minute stuff about relationships and all that is not really a confirmation bias. Like totally. not everyone's going to have like a specific relationship problem. No, when I'm hearing it, I'm like, no, it's way too yeah, yeah. specific to be that. But I just feel like a lot of like the haters in the astrology world will kind of try to say that kind of thing. Like, oh, it's so general. It's so this, it's yeah. so that. 
Um, and something that that comes up with a lot is, you know, reading your daily horoscope or your mm-hmm. weekly horoscope. So as I mentioned in the beginning, you write these horoscopes, which is yes. probably so fun. <laughs> how do you do that? And then like, how much weight do you think people should be putting in these like weekly mm-hmm. or daily mm-hmm. horoscopes? I think horoscopes are just for fun. I wouldn't put a ton of weight into it, but I would read the horoscopes for your rising sign, not your sun sign. They just show up as like, read them for your sun sign because obviously the whole population isn't going to know the time they were born, but they're going to know the month they were born. So that's kind of why it's general to read it for your sun, but they're written to be read for the rising sign. Because like when I'm writing horoscopes, for instance, your Virgo rising for the Virgo Mm -hmm. horoscope, I'm putting Virgo in the first house. And then I'm seeing what's going on in the sky in relationship to the Virgo chart. So like it's cancer season right now that falls in the 11th house of a Virgo rising chart. So the Virgo horoscope this month is going to be a lot about groups, friendships, being social, whereas the Sagittarius is just not going to say that. That's so interesting. Okay, guys, so start reading your rising signs. I have to do Mm -hmm. that. It's so funny. I was like reading my moon sign for a bit no. but yeah I would never do that <laughs> guys don't do that because it's just who you are at the base of yourself but it sounds like it has less to do with like the day-to-day than you're rising yeah the moon I don't really know how moon sign horoscopes would be written even work yeah That's so funny okay well I'm going to stop doing that good to know <laughs> okay um I'm just trying to kind of simplify this. Obviously, you've been studying it for so long, so you Mm -hmm. probably know so many terms and, like, Mm -hmm. different things that we can't even imagine. But, like, so if you're not looking at a certain person, if you're looking at, like, a time period. Yeah, the sign, yeah. Yeah, how does that work? Because, like, going back to the example, like, the Virgo horoscope. Yeah. For that sign, it's taking where the planets are currently in the sky. It's not when you were born. It's like what's going on on July 15th, 2021 in relation to that Virgo chart. And so it's like, okay, how are the planets in Cancer? And then there's some planets in Leo also right now. Mm -hmm. And the moon's in Libra today. Where is that falling in the chart of this like Virgo rising chart I'm making for the horoscope? And how is that affecting their life this week? Wow. So I know it's not a science, but it's definitely complex Mm -hmm. in a way that like feels borderline scientific if that makes sense yeah 100 percent. like you can get dates like i get dates down for predictions like to the day oh yes okay so now that we have a little more of the language mm-hmm. set up i want to circle back to you and your relationship mm-hmm. okay. so can you say his name jesse jesse <laughs> i'm thinking about the idea of you know like timing and whether stuff is fixed or can be changeable Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. with that kind of stuff it sounds like you knew right away like okay this is my year for love like we have pretty compatible charts do you think that made you like more likely to pursue him it sounds like yes like how was your experience around that did you put pressure on yourself because of that no I feel like when I started dating him I was like I just thought because my love life has failed so much in the past that it was just going to be the same thing where it like went on for two months and then he ghosted me or something like that. So I, (laughs) yeah, I still had all this anxiety. I wasn't like, this is the one astrology says. So it was still like very unsure. Like it could have been someone further down in the year, but I feel like it helped me knowing the timing in the years that came before this one, like 2019 and 2020, not a whole lot going on with relationships in my charts. So it made sense why nothing was happening. 
and it just helped me be a lot more calm about it and instead of like beating myself up like swiping on dating apps and stuff like that yeah I love that because you guys were kind of talking about that in one of the episodes I was listening to like Mm -hmm. sometimes I feel like I get really into the apps and sometimes I'm like I just don't want to even try with this so having that kind of confirmation that like you feel that way because it's not your time Mm -hmm. right now like there's no need to like put that pressure on yourself Mm -hmm. it definitely I could see that just being so mm-hmm. helpful. Um, so that's so interesting. Like, it's not like you get an exact time. You kind of get a time frame. I could see kind of like what months or even weeks would be within the year. Mm-hmm. Like, if it wasn't going to be in February, I would have guessed July, August, based on, like, my individual chart. So, yeah, I could do that. Um, but I can't... What astrology can't tell is, like, oh, you're meeting someone in February. I see relationship energy. I can't be like, this is the person you're going to marry. This is the one. I can't see, like, the type of person coming about. I just know that there's going to be relationship emphasis. Interesting. So it could just be, like, a two-month thing, which is why you still had the anxiety around it. You're like, Mm -hmm. there could be emphasis on this, but it doesn't mean it's going to, like, long-term work out. Exactly. Like, there could be... I can see when relationships go through periods of stress, but again, I can't see so black and white, like, yes, you're going to break up. It's not going to last, or you're just going through a stressful period where you may not be sure what's happening. Definitely. And that makes so much sense too, for people who are like, you know, this didn't happen exactly at this time or whatever Mm -hmm. didn't add up. Like maybe it happened in a smaller way than you realized, or maybe it was a different type of relationship. Like, can you tell if it's romantic versus like friendship or other things like that? I feel like with the more major transits, it's usually romantic. Like it wouldn't be that meaningful and make such an impact on the chart if it wasn't going to be something like a friendship. You wouldn't see that as like so meaningful, I guess, as you would like meeting someone. And then since you said you like had his chart, did it say Mm -hmm. at the same time that that was going to be an emphasis for him? Yeah. So that's why I needed his birth chart before the date. Because I was like, I'm not going to go on a date with someone who doesn't even have potential to have a relationship this year. Like I'm done. I'm 28. I want to get married soon. Um, It's so, yeah, I saw in his chart um, that he had relationship growth this year. So I was like, okay, why not? I'll give him a shot. That's so cool. That was overlapping for you guys. Well, I am so on your guys' team. I hope the stars continue to align because that (laughs) is so interesting. Okay, before we get into you and quarter life qualm stuff, I did have a lot of questions about whether or not astrology was able to predict COVID or like the universal stress of that period in 2020. Was that something that astrologers saw coming at all? Yeah, 100%. Really? Yeah, like not a pandemic exactly, but that 2020 would be an insanely difficult year with financial stress, particularly. I don't think astrologers were able to like be like, yeah, there's going to be um, <laughs> a virus a virus that goes around. Yeah, but like that's how it manifested. Um, wow. But yeah, that's really cool. Looking at that year, the astrology was insane last year and it never let up the whole year. That is so crazy. Yeah, because I was thinking about that because obviously... We have like the individual charts, but as we were saying before, when you're doing things like more generalized readings for the signs based on periods of time, like it's so interesting that it was just like 
yeah, 2020 is going to suck for kind mm-hmm. of everyone. I was going to say that's a particular field of astrology. Like I feel like not yeah. all astrologers specialize in world event astrology. That's mm. something that like you have to have a really big knowledge of like world history because mm. patterns will repeat. Like what was seen in 2020 was also similar to the astrology the year 9-11 was taking place, the year World War II broke out. So it's oh all about God. these patterns and knowing that in the past it's resulted in that. So maybe it's going to be something similar. Wait, that's so crazy. Oh mm-hmm. my God, that those two events would line up with the way the stars were in 2020. Well, I'm not sure if you know this since it does sound like it's kind of a specialized thing. But does it sound like from what you've heard and maybe the astrology world, like 2021 is going to continue to let up? And Yeah, I predicted that starting May, things would get a lot better. And that's kind of what happened. Um, That has to do with Jupiter going into Pisces. So when you get a planet, a positive planet like Jupiter going into a sign it's associated with, you get the full benefits of like freedom, like travel, like happiness. So that was this summer. I am a little hesitant about the fall. Like I feel, cause Jupiter's going back into Aquarius for a little. So maybe facing a little restriction again or something mm. not being as fully like happy or free. But the second 2022 starts like going back to, like things are not going to go back to 2020. Okay, thank God. Yeah. Well guys, you heard it here first. Oh my God, I'm so excited <laughs> to like listen back to this episode. It's so fascinating to me. I hope I'm right. <laughs> I, I hope you are too. I'm ready for you to be right about my success in the fall to uh, kind of even out yeah. that world stress. I'm like, perfect. I'll just focus on the career. Love that. Okay, so now I want to get into poor life qualms. Mm-hmm. So I kind of explained this to you, but for anyone listening who's new to the podcast, the podcast general theme is being in your 20s, figuring things out, going through transitions. Mm -hmm. Um, And something that I first learned about from Lindsay Metzler of Mm -hmm. Prima Acme, she was on the podcast, and she told me about the Saturn return. Yeah. So I feel like for anyone who doesn't know, apparently you're supposed to go through your Saturn return like around your late 20s. Yeah, it's it's most intense at age 29, but it kind of spans 28 to 30. So interesting. So, you know, maybe not for the earlier 20 somethings, but for the later 20 something people who are going through it, maybe that's your quarter life qualm is also your Saturn return. Um, So can you just explain the Saturn return a little bit? And then I know that you're kind of in the age, like, are you going through it at all? Yeah, this year, next year. So I'm definitely feeling that. Um, So Saturn everyone has Saturn in their chart and it takes Mm -hmm. about 29 to 30 years to go from where it was when you were born in the sky to where it is currently. So everyone born with Saturn and Aquarius. So that's birthdays that are, um, I think pretty much all of 91, all of 92 and most Mm -hmm. of 93, they're in their Saturn return right now because Saturn has finally returned to Aquarius. And the last Mm -hmm. time it's been there was 91, 92, 93. So what happens at the Saturn return is like you come into adulthood and you really are like, what am I doing with my life? I need to get more serious about where I'm going and I need to establish my own identity. So a lot of the time it causes like if you're in a relationship that you just don't feel is getting more serious, there'll be a breakup or you do commit and you have a baby together. Do you like do more like adult, serious, grown up things? Or if you're in a career that you think like is just to please other people and you're not really happy, often there's like a major life change where you're like, I don't want to do this with my life anymore. I want to do something else. So it's really about growing up, 
and becoming your own person. That is so interesting because, I mean, it sounds like it might have been too early uh, for this to be going on when I started the podcast, but mm-hmm. I do feel like around the past year or so, that's been such a mm-hmm. constant theme in my life is kind of like redirecting my career path and like going through that. And I just think this, again, the podcast is about your 20s in general. Mm-hmm. I am at this point in my later 20s. Um, And I think similarly to the way like your early 20s can be a little, I don't know, disorienting in some ways, because you're thrown from college into the real world, and you're trying to navigate all that. I think there's a similar thing, which it kind of sounds like is like part of the Saturn return to extent in your late 20s, where you're like, okay, now I'm like an adult adult, you know, I'm not just like a part time adult. Yeah, yeah, I have to really get my shit together. So it sounds like that's part of it. There is difficult astrology around the age of like 21 to 23. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like the phase that comes right before the Saturn return. It's the Saturn square. So when you're 21, it's definitely a difficult period, kind of similar. And like, I feel like the foundation that's set at 21 maybe similar themes will resurface at 2930. That makes so much sense too. If you think about like career Mm -hmm. paths and stuff, I don't know. It's like, it's when you're like, even for people who aren't more straightforward jobs, like it's kind of when you're like, okay, am I sticking this out? Am Mm -hmm. I getting the promotions Mm -hmm. I want? You know, that, Mm -hmm. I mean, that makes so much sense to me. Mm -hmm. Um, So guys, it sounds like a lot of your 20s (laughs) can be explained by Saturn. Yeah, 27, because you mentioned like this past Hmm. year for you, you're 27. um, That also is kind of a lead into the Saturn return because it's something called a progressed lunar return. And that's really about learning how to reparent yourself and give yourself kind of the emotional stuff maybe you didn't get in childhood or just doing it as an adult. So 27 can also be kind of a tricky year. So that may be why people feel that a little. That's so funny. I love this explanation of it because it's just like (laughs) such a different lens. So what was your like kind of not core life crisis, but what was something that you went through in your 20s that you feel like has been pivotal? Or do you feel like you're going through it right now? I feel like at 25 was a huge year for me. I do feel like that was eclipses were in Aquarius at that time. So it eclipses on my Aquarius sun. But 25 was when I learned astrology. And I feel like my personality went through this like huge change, whereas I was never open to anything spiritual, anything bigger than myself. And that was kind of the year I became a lot more calmer, less anxious. And I was like, this is astrology. This is what I need to do now. That's so cool. So it really lined up. Yeah. There's like a definitive like early 20s is so much more stressful and anxious than I was after 25. That's awesome too, because I feel like, I don't know, some people think of like transition or maybe even your Saturn Mm -hmm. return, anything like that as being stressful, but it's been such a net positive for you. And you were saying you thought your whole dream was to end up in fashion, but then like, Mm -hmm. It sounds like this is what you needed to kind of like undo Mm -hmm. some of that anxiety, which is so, so cool. Yeah. And I feel like if I hadn't listened to that at 25, then at Mm -hmm. the Saturn return, it would just become even more like glaringly obvious. Like I'm not happy. Mm -hmm. So even if you don't make the decision, like in a certain year, it kind of keeps repeating over and over again in your life until you do something about it. Okay, that's amazing. Because that was a listener question too. like, what if you don't follow, you know, Mm -hmm. the pattern that sounds like you're supposed to, it sounds like it just, 
it's kind of like lessons that come back over and over again. exactly and they'll haunt you at 40 like there's big transitions <laughs> in you know the midlife crisis that's like yeah. an, that's definitely an astrology like the early 40s is really tricky it's like the saturn opposition and like that's when like if you didn't do stuff at the saturn return you really got to do it then and it just wow. keeps coming back so guys, let's all just tackle it in our 20s so we don't have like the worst exactly. midlife crisis yeah. ever, it sounds like. Yeah. That is so interesting to me. So as an astrologer, like how would you say that we can use astrology to help us understand or like better get through these periods? I would say, I mean, astrology, what I feel like most people don't get right is that they think it like forces you to do stuff when really it just reflects what your intuition already knows so I just feel like listening to your inner voice is also just helpful if you don't know astrology um but the birth chart shows like where your natural skills are and what maybe you might feel more fulfilled doing so if you kind of look at that part of your chart maybe you're not doing that already and you need to look at that and lean more into those areas Wow. I'm going to ask you about that after too. <laughs> and then I guess the last quarter life qualm question for you would be what methods other than astrology have you implemented in your life to help you like mm -hmm. during stressful or difficult periods? I would say meditation. I mm -hmm. never did that. I started that um, a little over a year ago. Mm -hmm. So I do like Kundalini breath work meditation stuff and that every single day just less anxious the whole day even if I don't recognize it in the moment as the day wears on I'm just a lot better a lot okay better. wait I've heard of this but now I need to look into it what's how do you spell it yeah kundalini so k-u-n-d-a-l-i-n-i and then I would either say kundalini meditation or kundalini breath work meditation um I took like a course on it it got basics and then I just kept doing it on my own I'm sure if you researched into it you could figure it out that's so cool because I've heard meditation. I think I've heard of Kundalini, but I've definitely never gotten that as a response on the podcast. So that's so cool. <laughs> Is it just about like the breath work being like regulating or? Yeah, it also just, it gives you like more energy. I don't know, like whenever I'm doing it. And also I was always bad at just sitting there and like meditating. I find that so boring. But with Kundalini breath work, it's like, there's exercises you're doing with your hands and kind of like movement that keeps you more focused. And I feel like it's about manifesting and bringing certain energy into your life. Like there's meditations for prosperity. So getting more financial abundance or getting rid of addictive mindsets. Um, so it's different areas you can focus on. Okay. I'm definitely looking into that. If you yeah. guys aren't sold, I don't know how, because first of all, I like gesticulating. Yeah. <laughs> Did I even say that right? I don't know. When I'm talking, um, big mm -hmm. gesture gal. So yeah, yeah. the idea of like moving around a little bit mm -hmm. while doing it sounds great. And then manifesting. I mean, mm -hmm. that's something I think everyone can find some interest in because it's like, why would you not want to yeah, like write shit into your life? <laughs> writing down what you want is so key. And I think a lot of that has to do with like for people who, you know, don't understand manifesting or like don't totally believe in it. Like a lot of that just has to do with like figuring out what you want, because I think mm -hmm. a lot of us are so on autopilot that you don't really think about what you want. Mm -hmm. Even I think about like dating, like there are so many times when you're just dating to date and you're not like sitting there being like, like what do I want my partner? Not do they like me, but what do I want? What do I like? You know, so just getting in touch with that, I think has yeah. so much to do with manifestation. But that's, that's so cool. I love that answer. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so now quickly, I want to play a game that I haven't played before, mm-hmm. but I think it's super interesting for like the whole astrology thing. And I use some of the listener questions, but basically I want to play a quick game of Mythbusters. Okay. So this is basically like astrology myths that you may or may not agree with. So okay. either busting the myth or you're like, no, that actually makes sense or is true. Okay. Okay, cool. Let's start. Okay, first myth. People use astrology to shy away from taking responsibility for their actions. I would say there is truth to that myth. Like, that's not how (laughs) I use astrology, but that is how a lot of people do it. They're like, I'm this sign, so I can act like this. I don't, that doesn't mean I believe it's right. Yeah. Okay. I love that. You're like, it actually happens, but it's not how you're supposed to use it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Very cool. Okay. Um, (laughs) Second, Mercury is basically always in retrograde. False. It's in retrograde three times a year for three weeks. So nine weeks out of the year about. Got it. So is it just in retrograde more than other planets yeah it's most most frequent retrograde out of the inner planets so planets like saturn pluto neptune uranus are retrograde for like four months out of the year but those Mm -hmm. don't affect you on a personal level when mercury or mars or venus are retrograde that affects your day-to-day life a lot more and mars is only retrograde once every two years and venus is once every 18 months so the fact that mercury is three times a year is why you hear so much about it And what does being in retrograde mean? The planet is like this optical illusion that it's appearing to move backwards, but it's just like slowing down in its orbit around the sun. And because Mercury is the planet of communication, it just means when that happens, everything involving communication is kind of thrown into confusion or delayed, like new plans are set back or... People get in their head thinking about the past a lot because it's always about like reviewing what's already happened. So you'll hear from an ex or you'll be reflecting Mm -hmm. on what could have been like and getting kind of emotional about that. Um, So it's really just a time to slow down and reflect. That's so interesting. Do you ever find yourself like not doing things because of Mercury and retrograde, like not reaching out someone or... I don't know, taking a step career-wise or, yeah. No, I wouldn't. Like, if you're to get, like, an amazing career opportunity, I wouldn't be like, no, I need to wait till Mercury's out of retrograde. Okay, okay, But, (laughs) yeah, it's not like that, but just being kind of mindful of it. Like, I always feel like work becomes really slow at Mercury retrograde, so sometimes I'll be like, I'm going to take some time off or just not be so hard on myself, just being kind of aware of what's happening. Okay, good to know. So it's Mm -hmm. not always bad. It's just, like... It's not a bad thing at all. It's just, okay, you've been going and going and going with your everyday life. You need time to rest periodically. And that's what Mercury Retrograde asks you to do. Yeah, which sometimes can be hard for our work-obsessed society in the U.S., we should all take a I know retrograde. <laughs> Although I guess that's kind of what the pandemic was, SOS. True. Um, but like a healthier one, mm-hmm. you know? Okay, third myth. Um, I don't think it's myth, but I shouldn't say that. I'll, let, I'll <laughs> leave it to you. Men, namely like heterosis men, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. hate astrology. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, my boyfriend doesn't, but I feel like a lot of men don't like it because I, my theory is that men love to be in control and they feel like they don't like to think that there's forces out of their control that are yeah. permanent events in their life. 
Or that we have some kind of like witchy knowledge that yeah. they got. <laughs> exactly. That's so funny. And I feel like it's maybe because they've had bad experiences dating where someone's like, you're a Scorpio, I won't date you because all my exes are like you. So maybe they just hear stuff like that and get annoyed. Yeah, they never hear like the positive yeah, sides of it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That makes sense. Yeah, I had, there was one guy I was like casually seeing a while ago at this point now, but he would mm-hmm. like freak out if I mentioned astrology oh my I was God. like okay red flag because <laughs> it wasn't yeah, like I yeah. even knew that much I was just like oh like that's so interesting and he's like stop talking about astrology yeah one of one of my credentials before mm-hmm. I met my partner was like have to have someone that is open to astrology yeah it's like you don't have to love it or necessarily like totally believe in it but like mm-hmm. a lot of guys get like activated by it it's so weird (laughs) so funny anyways okay next myth scorpios are crazy i'm hoping you bust this that's a myth a hundred percent i hate like cliches like that i think scorpios try to control their emotions a lot and they get like very worked up and have these like really strong reactions and they like to be in control and try to control a lot of things so maybe in in yeah in relationships they can be a bit obsessive or controlling on the more negative side but i feel like scorpios just know what they do and don't want in their life and they're very good at like okay this is cut off i don't want this anymore yeah that's another thing that i meant to bring up but i think is so true it's like for any sign there are going to be like good traits or characteristics exactly yeah so there's gonna be like a good version of that out there to you and a bad version you know like it could be overly emotional or whatever or it could be like in touch with your emotions just stuff like that yeah so you're never going to be a bad sign guys don't worry yeah this is inspired by what I saw on the street the other day. I was walking down the street and saw that Alice had written this thing about dogs and their signs. So (laughs) I guess a myth would be, I don't know if this is a myth per se, but dogs, signs, or birth charts don't matter. I, that's one, it's tricky because like I do feel Mm. like dogs will act out their signs and their moon signs, but obviously life events are not going to like, like dogs aren't going to go through career stuff, but maybe they take on... (laughs) Like, I do feel like a dog that's an Aries is, is probably going to be a lot more hyper than, like, a dog that's a Pisces. That is so funny. Delilah is a Libra, which kind so of like makes sense. Calm and peaceful. Calm and peaceful, but also, like, really likes nice things and, like, yeah. is a bit of a diva. Yeah. <laughs> like, she'll be like, okay, you're here to give me butt rubs, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I have work um but no she's amazing she's the best okay and then we'll just do one more before Mm -hmm. wrapping up cusps are usually more of a combination of two signs than non-cusps cusps don't exist you're either (gasps) one sign or you're not yeah that's such a myth really yeah because so there's not like one day so Mm -hmm. okay like for instance cancer season going to leo season that's coming Mm -hmm. up some people, like if you're born on July 22nd, I think that's usually like the date it changes. It, mm-hmm. That tends to vary from year to year. So that's why it's important to have the exact birth time to literally know if you're a Cancer or a Leo. You're not going to be a cusp. You're not going to be a mix of both of those. Maybe if you are a Cancer that feels more like a Leo, it's because you have other planets, such as like a Leo Venus or a Leo Mercury uh-huh. in your chart that make you feel like that. Got it. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then a last thing, just a clarification point. Can you talk quickly before we wrap up mm-hmm. about Venus? Because isn't Venus like the mm-hmm. love house? It, or planet. 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 <laughs> yeah. House is, house is Guys, one, I learned two, a lot. Three, 
planet is not a house. Um, yeah, Venus is seen as the relationship planet, but I feel like it's a lot more. It also has to do with money, friendship, values. So I honestly feel like the moon is more important when it comes to intimacy and relationships. Venus is like likability. It's like, what are you attracted to kind of on the surface level? What are your tastes? Whereas like that moon is more about how am I knowing this person on a deeper level? So if we're dating someone and we are as lucky as you to get like at least, <laughs> I don't know if everyone would be able to like, you know, study their birth chart the mm -hmm. way you did. But like, if we have their moon and rising, um, I guess that's like one last thing we should touch upon that we didn't. Should you be looking for someone who's like compatible with your moon then is what you're saying? There's a lot that goes into compatibility. So I would yeah. look at like your rising sign. So your Virgo rising, like maybe someone with a Virgo moon or a Virgo sun would be a good match or the sign opposite like Pisces. That's your relationship house. So people with planets and Pisces would be good for you. And then also Scorpio moon, I feel like with relationships, often one person will be the sun sign and the other's the moon sign. So you dating a Scorpio sun or maybe someone with also a Scorpio moon or with another water sign moon. It's, th there's like a lot that goes into it, but I would say matchups between the sun, moon and rising are really important. Got it. So like, there's going to be some overlap there probably. Yeah. And then it's also to get even more complicated. It's kind of like what houses their planets fall in in your chart. Like certain houses are better to have in relationships. So yeah, it, there's a lot to compatibility than just like, am I a Sagittarius? Am I compatible with this sign? Like that's very surface level. Got it. Okay. So that's kind of cool though, because that means mm -hmm. we can't immediately write guys off in the way that they hate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is cool. Um, but it also sounds like we have to go to someone like you to like fully understand it because it seems like there's a lot of different things at play. Exactly. With things like compatibility. Yeah. But that's awesome because that means you can't ever like totally write someone off until at least you've seen Alice. So yeah, I would say like get get to know the person as a human before asking for the birth chart. Like I know I don't follow that rule myself, <laughs> but I know like yeah, I know like a little bit more about it. But um, sometimes I wish I didn't ask for the birth time because then I obsess over like, are they going to be in a relationship next month? Are they still going to be dating me? <laughs> And it's, it's like That's obsessive. So I love that. Well, Alice, this has been so fun. I loved this. I feel like I've learned a ton, even though I said house instead of planet at the end. Um, <laughs> still feel like I got a lot out of this and that it'll be so interesting to people. Um, if they want to find you, how can they like hear more? Where can they find you? All the plugs. <laughs> Yeah, my Instagram is stockalice, that's S-T-A-L-K-A-L-I-C-E, and then my website is the same, stockalice.com, and then you can get readings, I have a link on my Instagram bio, and then also on my website, and then my podcast is Astrology and You. Yeah, and guys, listen to it, it's great, because like, in this episode, we can't really get into every single thing, but you guys do great episodes where you like break down a concept. So if we start to talk about something you want to hear more, go listen to their podcast. It's great. Um, and then as always, please rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend about this episode if you liked it, and then follow me at CKNY1213 and at WTF Sup Pod. Okay, thank you, Alice. Bye. Thank you.